One engine already meets CARB's 2027 regulations, but will there be enough of them to make a difference? I'm Managing Editor Vesla Brykovic, and I'm here with Equipment Editor Jim Park and Editor-in-Chief Deborah Lockridge for this episode of HDT Talks Trucking. We're going to look back at the few of the most popular stories on TruckingInfo.com in April and talk about what they mean to the broader industry trends. Clarion's Technologies is a global leader in transportation technology, known for its family of innovative and leading brands, our best-in-class capabilities, global scale, and extensive industry insight provide the technologies that keep the world moving forward. To learn more about Clarion's Technologies and its family of brands, visit clarionstechnologies.com. Before we dive in, remember to follow us on social media and subscribe to HGT Talks Trucking so you don't miss an episode. The top story of the month was Walmart deploys near-zero opposed piston diesel engine. Walmart is putting a Peterbilt 579 into service with a different type of diesel engine, an opposed piston engine from Acades. Jim, I know you've covered this before. Can you tell us what is an opposed piston engine and why are we seeing it now? Well, these these things have been around for a long time, since the 50s, actually. Uh, They're first developed, but they've been uh, tweaked and tuned by uh, this company called Acades for about the last 10 years or so. And they figure they're very, very close to getting this thing a, into production, and B, compliant with the regulations. Interestingly, it's already compliant with some of the proposed regulations. But the efficiency comes from the fact that it uses uh, six pistons, but in on three cylinders. They go back and forth, so they're opposed. When they come together, they fire, the explosion forces them back, and then they come together again. So, And it's a two-stroke diesel engine, not a four-stroke. So you get power on every stroke, basically, as opposed to one every fourth stroke on a on a and a four-stroke engine. So you've got more more power in the engine and uh, a lot less moving parts. There's no ca- uh, no camshafts, there's no cam followers, there's no valve train, uh, there's no cylinder heads. Uh, it's a much simpler and lighter and smaller engine, um, comparable, uh, they say, with a 13-liter for, for power, horsepower and torque output, uh, but it just burns a lot less fuel and produces a great deal of power for the relatively small size of it. If these have been around in some form for a long time, it sounds like they've got a lot of advantages. Why hasn't it come up before now? Why is why are we only seeing this at this point? My guess would be it's inertia. Um, the industry has been using a four-stroke, uh, four six-cylinder diesel engines for decades now. Everybody knows how they work. They know how to fix them. They know where to get parts for them. Uh, every time you try and bring something new and revolutionary to market, uh, it's always an uphill battle, um, and this is certainly no different. If you recall, the the uh, Wankel rotary engine looked promising back in the 80s and 90s. It never went anywhere, um, partly because it was so difficult to get the thing into production because nobody knew anything about it. Nobody wanted to take a chance on it. Uh, as it turns out, it wasn't a great idea after all, but um, I think this Acadie's engine has a bit more promise, so... Right now, um, what's driving diesel technology really is emissions and fuel efficiency vis-a-vis CO2. So if this engine lives up to its promise, and it's already been extensively tested for emissions, and like I said, it is lower than the standards currently call for four years from now. 
So that's a big promise, and that's a big plus for this engine. Uh, the question is whether we can get wide-scale enough adoption, as Vesna mentioned right off the top. Will can, can we get enough of them into service to make a difference? Not that we're ever going to see uh, every engine on the uh, on the planet go to a, an opposed piston design, but certainly if we get enough of them in there, it will make a difference. Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, there's not exactly like a big fleet of test engines running around, right? Not at this point. Uh, I mean, obviously the big news story was Walmart's decided to put a couple of these into service or one. Um, Walmart's a big company, and if if they buy in, then, uh, you know, that stamp of approval is going to mean a lot to the company and, and probably to the other engine manufacturers and the OEMs when it says, hey, geez, if Walmart wants this engine, then we need to start building some. That's right. That's right. It's uh, There was another company working on an opposed piston engine a few years back, too, um, but haven't heard anything, I think, from them recently. I'm afraid that's above my pay grade. I don't remember them, <laughs> so I can't comment on that. So, I know. Well, you know, Cummins has been doing a lot of acquisitions lately. If this works out, maybe we'll see them look at a Katie's as well. Well, who am I to say? But I, you know, Cummins is in an ideal position to do that. Um, they're grabbing up companies right, left, and center now, uh, trying to you know position themselves to be. You know, on the at the crest of the next wave, and if this happens to be it, then certainly they've got the engine design and production capability. And uh, my guess is it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for a company like Cummins to uh, to take this engine, uh, design a production line, build the engine, and, and get it into service in a very short period of time. It's funny you were talking about some other engines that concepts that have come and gone. Uh, you know, we're celebrating our hundredth anniversary as a magazine this year, and going back through some of the old issues. If you look back in the seventies, um, turbines were supposed to be the next big thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, they didn't quite pan out either, did they? But also, hopefully, this will will not suffer the fate of turbines. Um, so, interestingly, Walmart also was involved in the, our second top story from April, which was uh, Walmart launches private fleet development program. Vesta, tell us about that story. Yeah, so there was kind of two aspects to that news. One was that the company launched a program to help associates earn their CDL and then become drivers in their private fleet. Um, but what really generated attention was Walmart, uh, approximately 12,000 drivers can now make up to $110,000 in their first year with the company, thanks to some recent pay right raises. Wow. That's uh, quite a, it's no wonder that made headlines. Um, Jim, you're a former I'm, driver yourself. I'm coming out of retirement. That's it. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's more than, that's more than a magazine editor makes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what do you, what are your thoughts there as, as a former driver? Well, I have to say it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, over the years, various people have asked the question, how much is a, a good driver worth? And I can remember uh, in the early aughts, uh, Lana Batts, when she was with the Truckload Carriers Association, she threw out 80000 And that was 15, 20 years ago. That was, that, that was heresy. You know, you can't say that. You know, we only pay them 40. Why are you saying they're worth 80? You know, that was going to upset the apple cart. 
So now along comes Walmart. Now, granted, driver pay has been going up. Um, and I think there are still lots of companies out there. Um, I can think of a few off the top of my head. I won't name names now, but uh, that are paying high 90s, low 100s now, even in the for hire sector, but they're specialty carriers. They're not the general freight haulers. And in Walmart, uh, private carrier, they tend to pay better than for hire as uh you know, in the first place, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's fantastic. It's going to put a lot of wage pressure on the other carriers to compete if they're going to start seeing drivers migrating over to Walmart. Uh, personally, I think you know whoever has the most drivers wins, and uh, it's been a long time coming. And drivers, generally, you know, maybe not underpaid by the mile per se, although some would argue they are. Uh, what really hurts drivers is they don't get paid for everything they do. You know, the, the time wasted at docks and inspections and what have you. And, you know, then you've got mileage uh, that's rated on a computer that says, the, you know, the, the distance between A and B is such. And then you run into construction and detours and delays and what have you. So at the end of the week, the driver doesn't really know how much money they're going to make. And, and that's pretty tough on family budgets and what have you. So to see driver pay climbing up into six figures, um, I think that's probably going to start attracting a lot of people from the outside, which is good. We certainly need them. And uh, it, it finally, you know, tip of the hat to, and a nod to, you know, what drivers are actually worth in today's economy. And if Walmart's paying it, then I would have to say that's the value they put on having a driver. Yeah, and, and I think in private fleets like that, they do pay more of those other things that aren't just miles. And that is a big issue. And the predictability, like you said, we did a, a feature in a webinar earlier in the year about it's not always how much you get paid. It's is it fair? You know, I wrote an editorial. And if I was a stranger to the industry, if I were coming in, in, into uh, graduating high school, college, looking for a job, not sure what to do. And you said, well, okay, this pays this amount, but you're, you know, you're going to be on the road for a week or two at a time, and you're going to spend hours waiting at at uh, loading facilities without getting paid, and you can't get restroom to re- bathroom. You can't get access to a restroom. Um, I think why why would you want to get into it? So I think and this story made big headlines all over like national media. So I think that's good probably for people to go. Oh, maybe trucking is something I might want to look at for a, a career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be good for the industry in the long run. I mean, everybody's going to moan and groan about having to pay more. Uh, but the money's out there, and certainly people want to ship goods, and if that's the cost of moving your goods to market, then so be it. All right. Well, I think uh, we're about out of time. Vesna, just wrap us up, and what were some of the other top stories from April? Sure. Our last three were was a new bill that aims to reduce truck driver tax liabilities, then Abbott's Texas border inspections causing long delays, and then the DOT and DOL to address predatory truck leasing. All right, great. Long overdue. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of HGT Talks Trucking. Uh, check out truckinginfo.com, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platforms for more. And follow us so you don't miss an episode. Mm-hmm.